The Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Well, the Arizona Diamondbacks waited until the last minute at the winter meetings, but they did make quite a splash. Steve Zinsmeister with Alex Weiner covering the Diamondbacks at ArizonaSports.com. Thank you for checking out the Ain't No Fang podcast this week. Talking about Eduardo Rodriguez, the new pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. At the very last second, as everyone was leaving the winter meetings, the Arizona Diamondbacks decided now's the time to strike. They land a starting pitcher who they're very familiar with. Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello certainly have experience with him in Boston. They get him on what is essentially a four-year, $80 million deal. Could extend a little bit further into a fifth year. Um, it's a huge addition to an already pretty good top of the rotation. What do we make of the addition of Eduardo Rodriguez? First of all, good to see you. We haven't done this good in a minute. Good to see minute. you. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot to talk about as far as the offseason. Obviously, we had the Eugenio Suarez uh, podcast, but then, yeah, it's sort of been you know, waiting, some minor moves trickling in. You know, They made some front office moves, but yeah, now... Here he is. They go out and they add to the rotation something that they've, you know, sought to do since the trade deadline and weren't able to get done. Now they do with and you're right, the familiarity is something interesting. You know, Hazen and Lavello being in Boston, he made his debut in Boston in twenty fifteen. Lavello actually managed him for a little bit as the interim for John Farrell down the stretch of that season. So um there is some familiarity back and forth between the two. There's a couple ways to kind of look at this, right? It's like the on-field fit, how he kind of slides into this rotation. He is a, you know, he's going to be 31 years old, a veteran left-handed pitcher who has been, for the most part, pretty stable. He's coming off of a very good season in Detroit, 330 ERA, 26 starts. He missed a little bit of time with a finger issue, and, you know, his first half of the season before the injury was better than the second half of the season, but he still had a pretty good September, and his last two starts were dominant. Seven innings, seven innings, one run, no runs. So um, he goes in the offseason on a high note. But then the other part of this is that the Diamondbacks kind of put their money where their mouth is a little bit because, you know, right after the season, Ken Kendrick comes on Burns and Gambo and he says, you know, talks about the economic windfall from the postseason and it gives an opportunity to invest back into the club. They go out and they get Eugenio Suarez and that was a trade, but they still have to take on some salary there. 10 million this year? Uh, 11, I think. 10 or 11, something like that. uh, For next year too, but there's an option there. So they'll have the ability to keep him if they want to. And then now to go out and get Rodriguez. And the reporting was, Four years, approximately eighty million, and the deal can go up to five years for about a hundred million. They haven't done a deal like this in a while. I mean, there's the Madison Bumgarner contract that was five years, eighty-five, but even four years, eighty is more on an average annual basis than the Bumgarner contract. So this is a heck of a commitment to really bolster the rotation behind, you know, Gallon and Kelly to have Rodriguez there, Brandon fought, and then you can have a competition for that fifth spot. It does leave me wondering how much is left in the budget. Let's get into that in here in a minute. But I think that most Diamondbacks fans, the last they heard the name Eduardo Rodriguez, it was a very interesting story at the trade deadline. I don't know what the Diamondbacks' interest was in him at the time. Maybe we'll find out more about that. Gambo said they were definitely interested. Sure. And, And everybody probably was that was in contention at that point. But the story was that they had a deal in L.A. for the Dodgers to trade for him from Detroit. And that he chose, because he had a no-trade clause, that he could decide if he wanted to go to L.A. or not. He opted to stay in Detroit, a team that was going nowhere, at least in terms of going to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And the Dodgers are certainly always in contention. He easily could have made that jump in that trade that they had done, and he chose to stay in Detroit for his own personal reasons. 
And yet here we are in the offseason. He decides to not only decline his option to stay in Detroit, but now he's choosing in free agency to head west anyway and come to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, a little sweetener for the Diamondbacks fans, right? This guy's like, he could have gone to the Dodgers. He explicitly said no. He explained at the time that it was because, you know, staying the proximity to family was the big reason. And in the middle of the season to pack it up, I mean... I don't know how much to connect this. I don't know. This is kind of speculative at this point. But, you know, in 2022, he missed some time. Uh, I think he only made 17 starts. He missed time with some personal reasons. So um, he wanted to stay closer to family last season. But now it's the off season. you know, from some of the reporting that was done in Nashville at the winter meetings, the ability for him to move to Arizona with his family and stay here and train here, spring training's here, everything's here, um, was also another enticing part of it. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because like you imagine if he was on the Dodgers rotation in the NLDS potentially and if that changes anything at all. But now he's going to be a Diamondback going against the Dodgers. And, you know, the, I'm sure the Dodgers fans will, will have a wonderful time when he takes the mound at Chavez Ravine next time. And now looking around the NL West, I think that the Diamondbacks would probably have a claim to stake on having the top rotation in the division right now. The Dodgers always have good young pitchers. But that's what they are right now. They're good and young and somewhat unproven. Right. Except for like um, Walker Bueller coming off of Tommy John and Dustin May coming off if. of injury. Yeah. Yeah. Kershaw's a free agent. Rodias, tons of issues there. And he's Still also a free agent. Too, yeah. yeah. So I, I think if you're the Diamondbacks right now, you've got the clear cut best rotation in the NL West. Um, which is great. I mean, you're already coming off of a World Series. Obviously, there's going to be playoff expectations. That's part of why this move is facilitated. What does the rest of the rotation look like? We obviously know Zach Gallen. We know Merrill Kelly. We know Eduardo Rodriguez. They're almost all equals in my mind. I don't think any one of them stands above the rest tremendously. Brandon Fought pitched so well in the postseason that we all assume he's the number four or is the fourth guy in that rotation. Mm-hmm. If it is to be a traditional five-man rotation like it normally is, who is that fifth guy for the Diamondbacks? I've got to list all the names. Sorry, it could be Ryan Nelson. It could be Slates Coney. could be you know, Tommy Henry coming back from injury. You know, Maybe Blake Walston at some point next season. They put him on the 40-man to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, which I guess we could talk about later, too. Um, you know, Bryce Jarvis moved to the bullpen last season, but he is a starter and he has wanted to go back into the rotation. So they have like all of these options. Trey Jamison is not going to be one of them because he had just had Tommy John surgery. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of younger arms who have gotten tastes of the major leagues. Ryan Nelson getting the biggest one. He pitched basically a full season in the major leagues minus a stint where he went down. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those things. So last year they went into spring training with a competition, which young arm is going to take the fifth spot in the rotation? But the difference was it was Gallon, Kelly, Bumgarner, and Zach Davies, and then the five. Now you're looking at it, it's like Gallon, Kelly, Eduardo Rodriguez coming off of a very good season, and Brandon Fott, who really turned it on the second half of his rookie year and was awesome in the postseason. So it's it's a bit more of a promising spot, and now who takes that? Does Ryan Nelson take that next leap? Does, you know... Tommy Henry come back healthy and you know ready to take over that spot. They have options, and uh, and that's always good. And it probably leaves some of those guys with opportunities in a bullpen where mm-hmm. this is probably the first offseason since Mike Hazen has been here where he doesn't really have to do anything in the bullpen. Everybody's back. Uh, he's yeah. got – I'm just listing off the top of my head. Paul Seawald is probably still your closer. If not, Kevin Ginkle is there as an option. Ryan Thompson was fantastic in the postseason. Andrew Saul Frank was – 
fantastic since getting called up in September. I imagine he's on the squad. You've still got Scott McGuff under contract, so they can try to get something out of him. Uh, you've still got Ryan Nelson, who pitched really well in relief in garbage time in game four, I think it was. Save the bullpen for game five, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah there you go. Um, you've still got Sacconi, you've got Jarvis to figure out. I mean, all these guys have to find a role somehow, and Miguel the Castro bullpen might be there. that spot. Was Justin Martinez going to have another leap? Like this, yeah, they, they have options there. They haven't really needed to touch that much. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the question then. If you've spent about 10 or $11 million on Suarez, you've spent about $20 million this upcoming season on Eduardo Rodriguez, that's roughly $30 million that you added to your squad. Subtractions... Guriel's gone. I don't remember exactly what he was making per year. Um, you've got Tommy Pham that's gone. But that's about it that they've subtracted. Evan Longoria. So you've added Mark Melanson. Uh, he didn't yeah, pitch well, last year. There is that, too. <laughs> I forgot about that. That is actually a nice chunk of change they're going to get back for that. Um, but what's left? How much do you think they have left in the budget to go after what they still need? Because we all know they're still looking for a right-handed bat, whether that's a full-time DH, like a Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez reunion, possibly, or if they go and look for a right-handed hitting outfielder. We've heard rumors about trading for Randy Arozarena or others. How do you go about filling those two remaining jobs with the money that they have? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be two players or one. Uh, And Hazen has said this. He said this on our air yesterday where... Um, you know, they probably only have one more bullet to fire in that case. So, look, the payroll is going up by getting Suarez and by getting Rodriguez. Um, they've already kind of bolstered the roster into, like, big areas. You're right, there's one more hole. They needed, you know, either a designated hitter or that right-handed hitting outfielder because right now the outfield is Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, all lefties, and then your depth is also lefties with... You know, Dominic Fletcher, Jorge Barroso, or Pavin, Pavin Smith. Smith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's there's there's still guys out there. Like the player, like the position player market really hasn't moved a ton. You know, Juan Soto trade was huge. That was a trade as far as free agents. You know, Candelario just signed with the Reds. But really, like everybody who kind of fits the mold of what the Diamondbacks need is still out there. As far as specific money, I don't know. They've already kind of upped their payroll a little bit. I'm not sure how much more they'll get, but it sounds like, you know, potentially the ability to go out and get a starter and one more player was on the table. You know, Rodriguez will be making 20 million a year, so I don't know how much that impacts it. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see just how far they're willing to go into this. But there are certainly options available. Let me throw a hypothetical at you then. If you're only going to get one more player, whether it's free agency or trade, Mm -hmm. you're going to get one, either a full-time DH or a right-handed hitting outfielder, and then you just got to figure out the other position, which one would you rather they address? I mean, if they get Guriel back, that would be perfect, I think. Because then it gives you the flexibility to use that DH spot in different ways. They've been more open to the idea of having a full-time DH, but... um, to have you know the three left-handed outfielders and Guriel to be able to kind of mix and match that way, um, they've already you know kind of solidified themselves a little bit better against left-handed pitching. Last year getting Moreno, this year getting Suarez, so they're in a better spot than they had been in the like previous seasons with that. But um, I think having that versatility would be certainly beneficial. That said, if they are able to get JD Martinez with how well he has continued to hit, I mean last year he was amazing with the Dodgers and it was a real bounce back season after it looked like he was starting to go down a little bit in Boston jumps right back up with LA 
I think if you can get a bat like that for the middle of the lineup, I, I don't know how you can say no to that. Yeah, even if he doesn't really play the defense. Anymore. Certainly one of Mike Hazen's best acquisitions in his time here was the trade for J.D. Martinez. I know it was only a two and a half month rental, but I mean, he, it, got he might have been votes. the best hitter in the game. He got MVP votes in the NL, despite spending most of the yeah. season in the AL. That would be very enticing. So. Justin Turner, we obviously know what he was able to accomplish last year in Boston uh, for a team that really didn't do a whole lot or didn't live up to expectations. But he was certainly above expectations. Another DH, though. Um, yeah. Or maybe yeah. a backup to Christian Walker, too, on certain days. But yeah, definitely. I think Gurriel doesn't get enough credit for his defensive numbers as well. I, I, certain metrics value him more than others. But I think that he was one of the better defensive left fielders in the National League last year. And that's certainly something that counts with the Diamondbacks. They certainly yeah. care about defense. Um, let's go back to something you mentioned earlier. I know this is a smaller headline in the grand scheme of things. The Rule 5 draft occurred. For those who mm. don't know about the Rule 5 draft, it's basically a way for minor leaguers who have been in the minors for a long time to get picked up by other, other teams, other organizations, yeah. so that they can be given a bigger opportunity. The Diamondbacks had three players that they could have lost, none that I think most people are familiar with, but the guy who gets picked first overall in the draft by the Cleveland Guardians is Davison De Los Santos. He's he was a, ninth overall? He was oh, was it? Okay. it was a first-round pick, though. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I understand. First round. So he gets picked by the Cleveland Guardians. He's a third-base prospect. He's, I think, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He's only in double-A last year. Not a great season, but a ton of power. That's a guy that was kind of a top prospect at a position of need for the Diamondbacks this season. And he goes and gets an opportunity elsewhere. Is that a huge loss? Is it bad that the Diamondbacks seem to be losing some of their prospects basically for free? Kind of a multiple, multi-pronged situation there, too, because, yeah, okay, so he's 20 years old. He signed when he was 16, I believe, and so, yeah, he's been in the organization long enough to be eligible for this. Last season was a little weird, so the first half of the season was really bad, um, and he ends up going on the development list, which, if you don't know what that is, essentially, organizations can pull their minor leaguers, put them on the development list, send them back to Arizona, have them work out some kinks, and then put them back in a competition later. So he goes down for about two weeks and comes back, and is unbelievable the rest of the way. Um, 10 home runs in his last 30 games, OPS of over 900, the last 50 games that he played, um, helps them win the Texas League with uh, with Amarillo. So, ton of power, you're right. It's a corner infielder where you're not entirely sure if he's going to stick at third base or be a first baseman, but a lot of raw ability offensively. I think it is a pretty decent loss. I mean, he was ranked the number five prospect by MLB Pipeline, um, if you look at those. And... Basically, yeah, he gets taken off for $100,000. It doesn't mean he's totally done with the Diamondbacks, but that's kind of up to Cleveland. Because the catch is you have to put that player on the 26-man roster. So now you're, Cleveland is taking a 20-year-old who hasn't played above AA and throwing him on their 26-man roster. And that's sort of the risk you take with what the Diamondbacks did by not protecting him on the 40-man. is like They felt like they needed the spot. And if they needed to clear him, clear that spot later and they, you know, try to outright him, then anybody could pick him up and don't have to put him on their 26 man roster. So that was sort of the explanation that Hazen gave. Um, Yeah. So Cleveland, if they don't want to keep him on the 26 man roster, he has to go through waivers where the same exact rules apply to anybody who picks him up. And then if he clears waivers, he gets offered back to the Diamondbacks. So there's a chance he comes back. He has a pretty decent you know, prospect for them. Yeah, it's just sort of like the push and pull of like needing those roster spots versus protecting some of your minor league guys. 
possibly the bigger story, even bigger than Erod to the Diamondbacks last night as the winter meetings were wrapping up is the Juan Soto deal. He gets traded out of the NL West, thankfully, and over to the Yankees. What did you make of that deal? Um, Bigger than the Erod deal. Uh, Well, I mean, (laughs) certainly to the rest of baseball, that will be considered the bigger deal. Juan Soto is considered a bigger player. Uh, Listen, I'm with you. I think this is huge, but Juan Soto is a a big national story. And because it involves the NL West, uh, are the Padres getting anything back in return that the Diamondbacks should be concerned about? I mean, yeah. So Soto was only under contract for one more season and, you know, Obviously, the intention was not to re-sign him based on where the Padres are at at this point. I mean, they got some pretty good pitching depth from the Yankees, some pretty good arms. I mean, Michael King is a big one. Um, Thorpe, Vasquez. I mean, they, they, they really added to a, like an arsenal that they really needed to. And they still have you know, Machado and Xander Bogarts and for now Jake Cronenworth and Fernando Tatis Jr. They, they still have guys, so it's not like this totally takes the Padres you know, feasibly out of contending for a wild card spot and challenging the Diamondbacks in that sense. But uh, that's a pretty big bat to take off of, you know, a team that had aspirations of winning championships the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it's it's a huge ripple effect, obviously, with the Yankees and now with the Padres and what they do, what are they going to do next? They also lost Trent Grisham. So um, it definitely kind of changes the gears of one of the Diamondbacks competitors in the NL West. Last thing I'll ask you, we haven't talked in a while about the Diamondbacks because they just hadn't been super active since the Suarez trade. Uh, New uniforms. (laughs) You got a favorite? They have four new uniforms. Uh, It seems like they change them almost every year, but uh, do you like one in in particular? I will say I like like, the assortment of them better than the last few. Okay. Um, As a whole. As a whole, I like them better than the last few. My favorite's probably the red with the full Diamondbacks. I know it kind of looks like a lot. And I feel like you can't really judge it until you see it in action. Okay. But I just, I don't know. I like that it's different. And it's weird that they don't have D-backs on any of the new jerseys. Yeah, but trying I like, to like fit it's a little Diamondbacks. Different. The first thing that came to my mind is all the jerseys I wore as a kid trying to fit the word Zinsmeister on the back of a jersey. <laughs> you kind of have to like do a rainbow arc kind yeah. of thing. But uh, but no, I, I it, it's different putting Diamondbacks on a jersey. Or I thought that the white and the black jerseys were very simplistic. I actually think the white ones are a little bit boring. It just feels like there's nothing on one half they of the jersey. They got the cream color. Yeah. The black ones, I think, are really slick. I love the black ones, and I love the way they've worked the teal in on some of these jerseys as well. So I like the D hat back, too. The, yes. the D on the hat is... Yes, because we all have one of those sitting in our closet, I feel like. All Diamondbacks <laughs> fans have that D hat, and they're like, I want to wear this to games even though the team doesn't use that logo anymore. Yeah. Well, now they do. So now we can bring them all back, and that's something that I'm really excited about. So the Diamondbacks make a big pull at the end of the winter meetings. They go and get a top-end starter in Eduardo Rodriguez. Four years, $80 million, could be five years, $100 million. We'll see how the vesting option turns out here in a couple of years. But right now, it looks like the Diamondbacks have the best starting rotation in the National League West. For my friend Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Thank you for checking out the Ain't No Fang podcast here at Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports.